You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, Phoenix! <laughs> hey, yo. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude why because you're smarter than the average fan thechairshot.com always use your head I mean, you're just going to replace me. Shut up! Random Morales, the biggest slut in the Western Hemisphere. Why do I have to have a buzzer? And Greg DeMarco. You are now and will forever be an asshole. Because it's my show. And I love you, Greg. You guys know how to party. You're welcome! Here we are. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening. The date is October 25th, 2022, for historical purposes. When we record this, comes out the day after. It's the Greg DeMarco Show. My name is Greg DeMarco. Follow me at Chairshot Greg. The website is thechairshot.com. At Chairshot Media, sports, sports entertainment, or sports entertainment and sports entertainment. I got my own shit wrong. It's all there for you at thechairshot.com. So why don't you, uh, why don't you head on over there? TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. No Patrick O'Dowd this week, but, I mean, you could say, you know, some people would say, oh, you know, we, 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 we leveled up. Some people might say we, we dug into the bag of tricks. Some people might say, oh, who knows what people might say. But you know what? It, it, it's time to bring him back. Of of the four one one mania fame, 
also here at thechairshot.com. You might have recently heard him on a, a late edition of the DWI podcast with PC Tunney, DP, Blaz Platt, and, and the crew. And that is, of course, the one and the only... Acknowledge me! Steve Cook. Stephen A. Cook, welcome back. Hey, hey, everybody. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a minute. I don't even know how long it's been, to be honest with you. It's It's been long enough, I suppose, because I'm here. And let's be honest, uh, not much has changed for me since the last time I talked to you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm still four on one, still at the chair shot, still doing this, still doing that. It's uh, The more things change, the more you stay the same, I guess you could say. It's true. So, somebody said that once, right? That is very, very true. So... At Steve Cook 84 on the Twitter as well. Give him a follow. Um, I'm excited. We haven't chopped it up and talked about wrestling and, and stuff. And, and, you know, things have changed. Obviously, we do the list now. And I'm very excited to do the list with, with Cook here this week. So we're going to have some fun. But you got to have some fun last week. And, and I want to talk about that as we dive right in. Because some people yell at us and say we talk too much BS at the beginning of the podcast. So as we dive right in. You were lucky enough to attend last week's edition of AEW Dynamite in Cincinnati. You know, not not just the home of John Moxley, also the home of Steve Cook. So, just overall, I mean, obviously, we we know what happened with the main event. We know what happened with Hangman Page and 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 John Moxley and everything else that that goes around with it. Your just overall thoughts. Like, tell us about the AEW experience you had and and everything that went along with it. I'll tell you what, I had not been to a wrestling show in a very long time. Even before the pandemic, I'd kind of become a bit, oh gosh, antisocial, I guess you could say. Not really a big fan of being a big, in big crowds. So I kind of stopped going to shows for a while before the pandemic. And then, of course, once that hit, nobody's going anywhere. Right. And, you know, time just passes and I'm busy with other stuff. But finally, uh, last Tuesday night, I my job's downtown, right next to the Heritage Bank Center, so it was a nice commute for me. I just walk on over, have a little dinner at the Holy Grail, and then walk on over Heritage Bank Center, catch myself some AEW Dynamites, and just kind of see what's going on there with the with the folks. Um, it was a nice little crowd. I won't say it, it wasn't quite a. I wouldn't say it was jam packed. Like right. they they didn't hit you know same way as most TV tapings are. You don't see a, a whole lot of people on the on the camera, like the side with the camera there. So I know Meltzer, our, our boy Dave Meltzer, he had said that the ticket sales are a bit disappointing. I do think there's a walk-up crowd. I know I was part of the walk-up crowd because I don't buy tickets before I go to shows anymore. That's just me. I walk up, buy a ticket. That's what, what I do. I'm sure some other people did as well. So It's all good. It, it, filled in, it filled in pretty good once you got close to the match time and whatnot. And so we had... We had the dark elevation tapings, and we had the dynamite uh, stuff and whatnot. And I must say that uh, you know, bell to bell, the matches, I had I had no complaints. I thought all the matches are pretty solid. You know, a lot of your dark elevation matches are going to be squashes. You know that going in, right? But you still had like a you had like like a nice little match with uh, Claudio and QT Marshall. You know, QT working the old heel gimmick. You know, old school kind of guy, and Claudio doing his stuff. So. He had some fun there. Yeah, had Pillman Jr. got to do a tag match with Griff Garrison. That was fun for the people. Uh, fans were pretty well in everything, too. The uh, local talent got good pops and whatnot. 
Good. And once we got some, once we got some main show, I thought, you know, you had the trios match, which I thought was fun. I mean, I'm a big, uh, big Lucha Brothers guy, anyways, and you know, Pax. How can you not be? Yeah, the best, you know, best friends. Orange. I I like Orange. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Old Pockets, but I don't know. He just kind of he amuses me. What can I say? Maybe I'm maybe I'm easy to amuse. I don't know. But that was a that was a fun match back and forth. He had the gosh, it was uh, Tony Storm and Mm -hmm. uh, now I'm spacing already. I knew the Carl Shida. Shida, Shida, yes, Shida was great, and Shida was very over with people, which is nice to see. They had themselves a nice little match. You had the uh, you had Jericho up there. Gosh, he's going against. I'm forgetting. That Dalton, Dalton Castle. Castle. How Dalton I forget Castle? Dalton yeah. Castle? I love Dalton Castle. Me too. I've been a big Dalton Castle fan going back to the ROH days. It I, it always surprises me when people like don't know Dalton Castle. I know we we've learned there are a lot of people that didn't watch Ring of Honor back in the day, which is so weird. He's I the guy who took it off of Cody. Like exactly. I mean, in Ring of Honor. It's, and that's a thing too with uh, some of the folks I talk to who like the AEW, and they get so mad whenever Ring of Honor is on the show. Like, and it's like I don't get it because, Why? dude, a lot of the guys y'all like these days they came up through the Ring of Honor. So, well, and like all the it. Ring of Honor, like Jericho's an AEW guy. When Claudio yep. won it, he was an AEW guy. Joe's an AEW guy. FTR mm-hmm. AEW guys. Uh, Mercedes Martinez. I think she's still pulling around O'Reilly. Yeah, guys like, but they weren't part of the ROH matches, but they could be. Like, they could be if they. Dalton if Castle, around, yeah, he's know. an ROH guy, but it, it's like the the gimmick is that Jericho wants to beat all the former ROH champions. Like, obviously, he can't. You know, Castle, Castle's gimmick just gets over so well, too. I mean, even if, yeah. even if you don't know him going in, like some people sat around me didn't know him going in, but they were pretty big fans while the match was going on. He was. He was killing it with Jericho there. So fantastic stuff there. And unfortunately, well, I the main event was that was unfortunate the way it ended, of course. Up until that point, I thought Moxley and Page were having themselves they a were. fine match. And you know, it's unfortunate what happened there. Glad Page I glad Page is okay. Hopefully he'll be back soon. And then they did a little deal. I still don't know whether they planned on doing anything after that. Because they did rampage, of course, over in Jacksonville on Friday. Right. I don't know if they're going to – they didn't advertise anything after Dynamite was off. So I don't know. I don't My know guess is they weren't. Something not to yeah. or what? My guess no is they weren't going to record rampage there. Like I seriously doubt they threw the Jacksonville thing together that quickly. Like I'm sure it was – No, no, no they're already planned. doing – no, I was wondering like if they're going to have like a dark match or something after. I don't think they normally you do. Know, like, like after like Roller Smackdown or right. whatever, they'll have like a dark match after that. Like I don't know if they had that plan or whatot. I don't know if they do normally the do ring, dark so. matches, especially when you had the dark elevation taping beforehand. Um, I, I wondered if the MJF coming out – did, was that accelerated maybe a week or something? BM, of- oh, and I, I didn't mention the freaking promo with MJF and Regal. Yeah. My God. MJF, that guy, he's just, he's a master. There's no getting yeah. around at that point. I just think it's a little, t- the only feedback I had on the promo, I just thought it was a little too long. But besides that, I thought it was great. Regal, like MJF talked forever, but Regal's responses were so good. Um, I don't think it would have played like, Everyone believes that MJF is going to end up in WWE, and, and I'm sure he will. I don't think like that promo would have worked on on Raw or on SmackDown. Like it's no, definitely geared no, towards that crowd, and they know what they're doing with that crowd. Yep. It doesn't it doesn't grow, but at the same time, it's barely been three years. Like it doesn't have to grow just yet. 
and TBS and Warner, whatever, they're happy. It's consistently in the top of the rankings each week. Like it's fine. Um, but, but Regal, I mean, talk about another master, like both, like you have like, like the future legend in there with the legend. Like it's just a really good combo. MJF's character. We'll start there to me. Yeah. I'm unsure what it is. Like he's such a good heel and he's so amazing at drawing heat, but yet he's got this like conflict and, and, and Regal saying, you know, he, he lacked that, like, you know, would he be willing to t- take the step that it takes, take the shot, whatever. And then MJF cutting the promo saying he's going to earn it. Does that lead to him winning that title through some kind of nefarious way, like turning it around? Or does he legitimately win it and stay legit? Like, is the money in MJF being fully legit and clean, or is the money in him being a heel? I just, I think it's in him being a heel, but I don't know. That's that's interesting. And the kind of the idea that I've had and the idea of some other people have thought of, um, it might just lead to Regal turning against Moxley and uh, joining up with MJF, maybe given MJF the old brass knucks. You know, I mean, it's better knock out somebody with a brass knuck than it is with a diamond diamond ring anyway. You know, you cover up all your knuckles. Makes sense to me. But MJF is a kind of guy. I like when MJF will occasionally be like that, He'll act like a baby face and everybody knows he's not like, you know, when yeah. they go, whenever they go to Long Island, he acts like a big old kiss ass. There was that one episode. I forget where it was, where he came out. He's, he acted like a baby face for a minute or two. It's, it's, it's hilarious. And even though, you know, he's full of shit, you still get entertained by it. And it kind of makes me think that, cause I remember, you might remember back when, when they're founding AEW and Cody would be doing all his press conferences and speeches about what they're going to do and whatnot. And I remember one of the things he would say was like, uh, he thought he kind of thought the whole face heel thing was passe. Right. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm kind of camp of, uh, I don't really care whether MJF is, you know, a heel or baby face, whatever, just let MJF be MJF and let the fans decide, you know, whether they're going to cheer, whether they're going to boo, MJF, of course, he, he's a dick. I mean, he's a, he's an asshole, no doubt about it. But, uh, hey, dicks and assholes can be the best baby faces too. Especially when the fans turn them. And that's like like a Kevin Owens. Like every time he's gotten over his baby face, the fans have done it. And, and they, you know, Edge was the same way. Like he was – sometimes when you're such a good heel and the fans start to appreciate how good of a heel you are, you, you then start – look at Jericho. I mean, he's one of the biggest mm-hmm. heels in the company. And he gets a huge pop every time he comes out. Yeah. Some of it's respect, but some of it's just, my God, like this dude's in his 50s. And here he is just performing at a level that it's not the Jericho that we remember, but it's not the Jericho that it should be in his 50s. Like he's far surpassing what he should be able to do at this age. And I yeah, think that Jericho there's just a appreciation. in certain corners. And I don't, I don't see why, because I think Jericho is having a phenomenal run. I agree. Especially given his advanced age and whatnot. And I'm not one of those people who has a tremendous problem with him staying with AEW. And hmm. may, I mean, given Tony Khan some advice, I think we can all agree Tony Khan you could use some advice. I mean, Tony might admit himself, and who better to take advice from Chris Jericho? I feel like these two most recent signs, and even before, like right after the All Out incident, or even before the All Out incident, when they announced some promotions and people in new positions, to me, that was Tony basically saying like i can't do this all by myself and i do need some help and the recent the the extension for jericho which is only two years versus moxie's five years but both of them taking on these additional responsibilities i think it makes sense like you know all friends wrestling when it started with cody and omega and the bucks and all being evps 
and I've got this theory. I don't know if I've posted it because I think I was going to put an article and never got a chance to. One of the many on, on a list that I would love to write. I really think when the elite comes back, and I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later, just because we've seen the teases, they've been mentioned on TV now, when the punk thing gets resolved and he's gone, and, and when the elite come back, my gut instinct is that we're going to find out, and AEW does usually release these things, I think we're going to find out that they're no longer EVPs and they're just wrestlers. And, and at that point, Probably it might so. even be that a Jericho and a Moxley might even hold more power within the company than the Bucks and Omega do. I think that's okay. I think that might even be the best for all of them, including the Bucks and Omega. Yeah, uh, they might be in that same bed with Cody, where even Cody admitted that it was probably too soon for him to be an EVP and take on all those backstage responsibilities. That should, he just went in at that point in his career. And maybe Kenny and the Bucks aren't at that point in their career either. And there's even the grand conspiracy that maybe someday they'll leave too. I mean, who knows? And I could see it. I'm sure WWE would love to have that pop when the, when they show up. That'd be a great surprise. I think. I mean, that'd go over pretty well. Everybody <laughs> likes to look back and say they saw it, but no one saw Cody leaving. They didn't. No, like, that's. But then that kind of makes you think that well, maybe, maybe ain't. That's the point where I start thinking, okay, anything's possible. Of course, maybe anything's anything's possible. possible yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, they, they could go. And and that's part of my problem. And it does come down to personal preference. But like I watch I try to watch Dynamite as much as possible. Okay, There's a lot of wrestling on. There's literally 11. There there's 12 hours of wrestling on Monday through Friday. Like it's insane. That's crazy. There's, yep. there's, there's Raw. There's two hours every night. And then on Friday, you've got SmackDown and and uh, Rampage. So then there's Impact on Thursdays and sometimes Impact with a pay-per-view on Friday. Yeah, like, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's just a lot going on. NXT, which is still one of my favorite things to watch. Like there's so much on there. But I do watch it. But working from home, I will on Thursday put a, you know pop up and watch Dynamite. That was on you know on, on Wednesday because Wednesday is like the day I try not to do any of this stuff. Um, it helps you stay married. But it's <laughs> – I enjoy Dynamite the most when the Bucks and Kenny aren't on. And and some of the, the best episodes I've seen, it's been when the focus has been on the Black Bull Combat Club because I love – I mean, Will or Yuta, whatever. But like Moxley, Danielson, Claudio, Regal, like love all those guys. Yeah, and they, they don't do nearly enough with Danielson, but that, that's Danielson's choice. So I can't even blame I think him they for that. Will. That's what he wants to do. He's a guy. He loves putting people over. That's what he wants to do. So It's I, weird. I, it. I really thought he was going to win that tournament. And and that was going to be how they sailed forward. And maybe they're waiting for MJF to to use that chip, beat Moxley, and then MJF and Danielson's the big program. Because we've already done MJF and Moxley. We've already done MJF and Jericho. Yeah. MJF and Danielson could be like next year's double or nothing program, you know, and, and can be their big, big money main event. Um, yeah, if Regal ends up with MJF, or even if, Re if Regal doesn't end up with MJF, maybe he will later on. Yeah. Maybe. maybe I like Regal. I like MJF without anybody. Like I liked when he, you know, he came out with the firm and did the Joker thing, and, and that's another thing yeah. too. Like that was all done so fast. Like that was all within one show. Like yeah. tease that out, they right? Do. They do rush through things. And not only that, but like the Joker look was so good for MJF. He should have kept that and kept coming out with yeah. that mask on and taking it off. And then everybody could claim that the Bray Wyatt stuff they're doing now was ripped off of MJF with the Joker gimmick. Um, and it would look, you know, the, the optics would be there. Uh, but it's yeah, not pretty physical with the similarity between MJF and Bray Wyatt. They could have even done, maybe they think it's Bray Wyatt or somebody right? else. They could have. the fact that Bray's like 
200 pounds heavier. Huh? I well, even MJF came back bigger, but more muscular. <laughs> not that um, big. <laughs> I mean, AEW doesn't doesn't test, but I'm not saying he, he doesn't have uh, a road belly, really. so I don't think he took anything. I think MJF's just young and, and an opportunity to be in great shape. Um, but it's it's but I like the fact that he hired the firm for that. And then basically the next week on Dynamite, like puts Stokely Hathaway in his place and is yeah. not aligned with the firm permanently. I, I, he just doesn't need it, right? He doesn't need a regal. He doesn't need any of that kind of stuff. Um, no, he doesn't need. He doesn't need a pinnacle of Tully and all these guys either. Yeah. I mean, and the pinnacle's nice back family. together now. Like the pinnacle's back together without MJF. Well, sometimes we see them occasionally, but I they mean. even like like when 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 you know Sean Spears came back and now he's the ten guy again. Uh, you know, yeah. the week before in Canada, and it was him, FTR, and they actually advertised the six man tag, and they referred to Spears and FTR as the pinnacle in the advertisement. Yeah, sure and it's like the pinnacle's back just without MJF. It'd be interesting if all of a sudden the inner circle was back without Jericho, although most of them are in the Appreciation Society now. So they, at least they did have a little moment in the ring, although I don't think announcers mentioned it, where Spears and Wardlow were there together. Yeah. And it's like, you know, last time we saw them, they weren't exactly friends. And, and they and kind Spears, of, I think, apologized. Yeah, it's pretty He's like, my bad. Yeah, they acknowledge that. And yeah. I don't think the yeah. announcer, I think you're right. I don't think the announcers mentioned it, but you could see it on camera. Yeah. They and were I doing think it. the pinnacle works with Dax as like the mouthpiece because he's such a good talker. And and Joe, whether he's in it or not, and we're just going to jump all over the place here. What do you think of War Joe? The tag team with the two singles champions. Like, how do you feel about War Joe? That's a that's a nice idea. I mean, I'm I'm always in favor of two big guys just coming in and beating the crap out of people. So I'm all for have them having more matches. Um, they don't. They seem to kind of come and go. Both guys really. We I know Joe's been doing busy doing other stuff, and right. Wardlow. He's got the TNT title, but he just he has just hadn't been around as much since the whole MJF feud ended. So right. he definitely needs something to get going again. And I think yeah, a tag team with Samoa Joe. And you know, eventually, it's going to lead to Wardlow versus Samoa Joe, which I think is something that could uh, could do some business for him down the line if yeah. they, you know, if they, if they don't do it next week, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Not, they yeah. might just do it next week. Yeah, that's but, a but w, they yeah. wait a little while, wait a couple, wait a few months or so, then maybe you got something good for, gosh, Revolution or Double or Nothing uh-huh. or something like that. It's so weird too because I see people complaining on Twitter about Wardlow as a team. They don't make sense. I love Wardlow as a team. I love that they got the singles titles and they're still a team. First of all, I think Joe is the perfect person for Wardlow to learn from. So there's a yeah. ton of benefit. The people remember, like, even though Wardlow wrestled for a long time on the indies, like, he's got to learn and how to be this. Yeah, who is he wrestling team. now? You know? Yeah. It, it's so, <laughs> him, and now they're going to feud with the kingdom, it looks like, who just came in. Um, and, and for me, if they, and, and I love the promo that was cut where Joe was like, you know, you, 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 you pick how you want to die. Do you want to wrestle Joe? You want to wrestle Wardlow? Like, to me, it just works with them as a unit, but still having the single stuff. And I think that's a tradition. It's okay to break, right? And that's what people, you know, AEW is supposed to be this great alternative, but then people complain when they do something that's alternative that to me works. And that's, you know, it's, I'm all for criticizing AEW, but there are a lot of things they do that work. And, and we got to shout those things out. Um, I never complain about two guys that can actually go that are big, just yeah. beating people. You know, that's always good. And they get a great oh, pop. Like I love FTR. God, if somehow they got to 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 War Joe versus FTR, I mean, take my money mm. right now. Like, I think Spears as the ten guy works again too. It's like I felt like you know he's just preparing for his return at the Royal Rumble at some point and at number ten. But yeah, 
uh, that's the best of his array of gimmicks. He had it like is. 15 different gimmicks going there for a while, but uh, it is, and I'm okay with it. So just stick with that. You know, and everybody can hate on Sean Spears, but like, dude, he got to marry Peyton Royce. Like, no one is about like, like uh-huh. he won. He wins. There's yeah. nothing we can say or do. He wins, and and that's the end of it. That's the end of the story. Um, I was so upset at the 2019 Royal Rumble here in Phoenix when he wasn't number 10. I was just really. I mean, he did it the two years. That's why I knew. That's why I knew that that guy in there. Later that year is when he got like, released. Man, but, do that anymore. Okay, um, he's gone. And and he did. He was number ten the two years prior. So I get it. But yeah, I was really hoping he'd be. And then when and then I was like, no, he's going to be number eleven. They're going to pull. You know. And then <laughs> eleven was like Rollins who ended up winning it. But um, but I was really you know it was just kind of how how it flowed for me. But um. Any upsetness, I don't know if that's the right word, but the fact that you didn't have Rampage, did that matter to you at all, matter to the crowd at all? No, I don't think so. I, I, I didn't sense any disappointment or any, I mean, other than the obvious awkward ending of the show, which right. kind of, kind of, like kind of uh, you know, fun people out a little bit. But no, I don't, I don't think if the show had ended regularly with uh, Moxley winning and then doing the MJF, they probably have done the MJF deal anyway, I would think. Or something, I think, yeah. They've done something, and I think the fans have been perfectly happy with that. Moxley MJF had disappeared from the luxury box before the injury yeah. happened, so yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So uh, yeah, and uh, so like at the end, then after Moxley and Claudio and Yuta talk through their deal in the ring or whatever, and Moxley's like walking around the crowd for a while, and you know, so I think the fan, you know, except for the whole page thing, I think the fans yeah. were perfectly happy, and I know I was perfectly happy to go home like around 10 you know 10 15 10 30 or so instead of gosh when they have those marathon tapings where people are going like when they do the two-hour rampages oh, people yeah. are going home like 1 a.m like jesus christ i, I know when they do them on the east coast like, like they did the two-hour rampage yeah, in new york like the marathon shows but to me i just i, I i'm old man i yeah. can't be spent all night as much as i love wrestling and love watching matches and stuff there's there's a point where it's time to go and i probably could have done a little bit more but no, I was yeah. happy to not be there like eleven thirty midnight trying to get home out of Cincinnati. I um, I once went to in ninety five. I went to a raw taping in Richmond, Virginia, Richmond Coliseum, which isn't even used anymore. It's like condemned. They literally t- it was it was the raw after the Survivor Series that year when Bret Hart beat Diesel and then Diesel like cuts his anti Vince McMahon promo. Um, and basically that night on Raw, because of where Thanksgiving fell with the holidays and everything, they had a live Raw, three episodes of Raw that they taped. Plus they had to tape that weekend's Superstars. Plus there were three uh. dark matches for the like the <laughs> like the house show main events. Which and it was like one was supposed to be Brett and Owen, or no, Owen and Yokozuna versus Brett and somebody else. I can't remember who. And then I think it and then there was uh I think it was Davy Boy. Because then we also had, no, then we also had Davy Boy versus Diesel, and we had Bret Hart versus The Undertaker, like all is your dark matches. So this thing was, I mean, they taped five hours of television plus three dark match main events. Like it was insane. Um, oh. But so I was 19, was I was 18, 19 years old. This is 95. So 95. Okay. Late and I 95. Was on Thanksgiving break from college. So mm. yeah, it was fine for me. Okay. But, Cause I, cause I went to a raw taping in February 96, not too long after yeah. that. Yeah, that was the first show I went to. I was like 12 years old or whatever, so I was pretty excited. But man, those those raw tapings going for a while, and yes, they would have plenty of extra dark matches and whatnot. Yep. And the really fun part about that is 
they would they would advertise things like they'd like advertise things for local market like we're supposed to get like Bret Hart versus British Bulldog in a uh-huh. cage or something like that, and that changed to after especially Bret versus Bulldog in a cage that's gonna be like your dark main event. Yeah. And then you go to the, we go to the Cincinnati Gardens, get a little program, get a little piece of paper inside with a with a card. And it's been changed to a steel cage match with uh, Razor Ramon versus Goldust. And huh. we're like, okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, Razor and Goldust, that's a fun right. little feud at the time. People, that's that's interesting. And they'll end up having like a singles match on Raw that didn't have a finish. They're building, they're trying to build up for a WrestleMania match that never right. happened with those two. Uh, so that wasn't the cage match. So they, you know, after all the raw stuff's been taped, they bring out the cage. Of course, it takes it some time. They, they, they then lower the cage back in these days. You there know, was a setup cage. Okay. They had to set it up. And so we found that we, we got the steel cage match after all this hullabaloo and putting the cage up. It winds up being Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the aristocrat, of course, uh-huh. versus Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Wow. That was our cage match. It went from Brett versus Bulldog to Razor versus Goldust versus to Helmsley versus Drosy. Drosy gets the win when Helmsley punches Drosy and Drosy stumbles out the cage door. Wow. Probably yeah. the match was probably shorter than at time, the time it took to set up the cage, too. Oh, I, I, not even close. Yeah, not even close. Was, and, it, uh, was it the big blue bars? It was the blue. Yes, oh, big blue bars, the yes. blue bars. And guess what? That wasn't even the main event either. They took the cage down, of course. And then they had a tag team match between uh, is Diesel and Shawn Michaels. You know, they were still kind right. of friends that it's built up WrestleMania. They took on The Undertaker, since Diesel Undertaker is going to be at WrestleMania. Right. Undertaker and Jake the Snake Roberts, who had wow. just come back. And I was a Jake the Snake fan from back in the day, so uh-huh. I was pretty excited about it. I didn't know about all the stuff going on with Jake at that point either. So yeah. Diesel Undertaker fights to the back at about 30 seconds into the thing. So we end up with like Shawn Michaels versus Jake Roberts for about six minutes or so. That's crazy. The fact that and, they did the cage match and then took it back <laughs> down. Like and how many people had to have left by that point? Or two people thought to the back. Oh, gosh, what do I remember? The people stuck around. Did they? I okay. didn't I remember a lot of people leaving, but uh, Good. that's Shawn insane. Michaels was pretty over at that point. So yeah, he was. He was. That's crazy. Like, it's so funny that in 96, they had to put up the cage. I went to the NWA show at the Richmond Coliseum. I want to say it was summer of 87. Mm. It was the year after War Games was debuted as a gimmick. So it was the summer of 87 or summer of 88. And I saw a show that had a scaffold match, the Midnight <laughs> Express versus the Fantastics. And oh, then wow. they took down the scaffold and they had War Games. They took down the scaffold. Because wow. they had to for How war games. Take? But the war games cage, they just lowered. So in, in 88, okay, they could yeah. lower the cage. They could have done it in 96. But sometimes it also deals in the in the structures and what they have available to them. We're talking. I don't think you know, they, they, never, they never lowered the big blue cage, I don't think. I think that was always not. when they had to put Yeah, up. they probably didn't. But Yeah, um, they, once they did, Hell in the Cell is when they started, when WDF started lowering cages. Yeah. When they started doing Hell in the Cell. And then they had like the mesh fence cage, like right. they didn't those things forever. I do miss the big blue bars, even when they went with the bit when it was the black cage with the big black, yeah, bars, like the St. Valentine's Massacre cage with, with Austin. And, and and you have thought, especially once they stopped doing blood all the time, that that would have been the perfect point to bring back the big blue cage because yeah. it's a lot, it's a lot harder to cut yourself in that thing. I know, like <laughs> when Hogan wrestles Bundy at WrestleMania 2, it's like, how are they bleeding? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Be round bars on the cage. I agree with you, though. And it's easier to see the match through those bars. Yep. So I say bring it back. Bring back 
Book it, Hunter. Bring back the big black cage. Yeah. Well, Hunter might still have bad memories from that big blue cage from the Cincinnati Mankind, match. Yeah, yeah or the, that, the, the SummerSlam a... match with, with Mankind that time. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. that's a bad time. That's what, you know, AEW is. But when Cody was there, he loved to pander to the old school stuff. He could have brought back the big blue cage in AEW. He could. My gosh. Cody could pull it off in WWE right now. He could be like, we're going to fight in a cage match. And we're fighting with the big blue bar, Seth Rollins, because that's the only person that Cody's ever going to wrestle in WWE is Seth Rollins. I mean, so. yeah. yeah. My buddy, Manu Bum, asked me the other day, like, uh, I don't know how it came up. I guess because they brought back Halloween Havoc. Yeah. And he's wondering like, if they're going to bring back other old school SW shows. And he mentioned Starcade, and they've done house shows before. But yep. that would really be the perfect time. And you could bring back Cody to be the host since he can't wrestle. You know, it keeps him, it reminds people Cody's still there. And I don't know. I just think it'd be fun. Well, Starcade, if even if it was a network special, since they don't have anything going on in December, no, bring exactly. back Starcade. You not- have Cody as the host, and then you use that for Cody to announce he's going to be in the Rumble. Like kind yeah. of kick off your Royal Rumble build with Cody announcing that's where he's going to return. Uh, still I like expects it. him to be there Do anyway. It. You know, it just it just makes sense. Um, I saw someone post it was on Facebook, I think maybe Twitter. There it was like WrestleMania Hollywood, and it was. You know, the four big matches, it was, uh, you know, Roman versus The Rock, John Cena versus Austin Theory, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, and Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. And I was like, yes, on three of those. Do we really need to see Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins again? I don't think we do. Like, at least one of them has to be a champion if we see that match again, and not a United States champion. One not of them has to be like they, they need to put that one away for a yeah. while. They, they got Maybe plenty wait, out of that wait one. Wait a few years. Wait a few years on that, that one. one. And Seth, and Seth lost all three of those matches and still came out over as can be, which is what's amazing. Real quick before we transition and talk a little bit about uh, do, do our list, just want to remind everybody to head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up one of those beautiful chair shot t-shirts. They're comfortable. They look good. They, they feel good. Um, you're going to have a great conversation starter. You know, you got logos, you got slogans, you got shirts for the podcast, anything you, if, if you're local here in Arizona, you want to support IZW, guess what? We got the IZW shirts up on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot as well. Uh, you get to support us and what we do. Like I always like to say, websites don't grow on trees. So it, every little bit helps, but at the same time, you're not just giving it away. You get a cool shirt out of it. You can go soft style, be extra comfortable, whatever you want to do. Pick them up. A lot of fun. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot is where you go to support the website. Get a great t-shirt again. It's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Dean fucking Ambrose. Acknowledge me. Shut your dumb mouth. You just made the list. It is time for us to do the list. We're going to find out who just made the list now. One of the great things about the list is you can be wrestling, you can be non-wrestling. There's so many options that we have. And and that coincides with one of the great things about Steve Cook. Steve Cook is not just a wrestling journalist, but he talks sports. He talks so much more. He's literally falls into the wheelhouse of the chairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. So we're going to go sports today on the list. So uh, the list is, if you've never heard before, we basically come up with a list of six things. It's not the top six. It's not like an expanded Mount Rushmore. It's just a list, right? We're going to come up with our list of six things. Cook and I will take turns coming up with what's on the list. Then we will put those things in order and, and have a great time talking about it. Maybe we'll give some honorable mentions about what's not on the list. And today's list in honor of Steve Cook bringing in the sports knowledge. Although when Patrick O'Dowd hears this, he will be like upset at himself for being sick because he would love this topic too. I will hear about it next week. Uh, we are going to do our list this week is college football programs. We'll venture outside of pro wrestling once again, college football programs. How it's going to work is Cook will go first. He'll put a program on the list. I'll go second. We'll take turns. We'll get our six and then we'll put them in order where I'll go first. So Steve Cook... The list is college football programs. You get to go first. Which college football program would you like to put on the list? Okay, well, when you think college football these days, um, do you think? Can you think of anybody other than Alabama? You gotta go Alabama first. They're just they're, they're the top dogs right now. They've won eighteen national titles, six since Nick Saban got there. And if you take a look at the NFL right now. You got 29 teams that have Alabama players. That's crazy. There are three teams out there without Alabama players. Hmm. 65 players overall. I mean, just to name a few, Derrick Henry, Tua, Jalen Jalen Waddle, Mark Ingram, Julio Jones, Najee Harris, Minka Fitzpatrick, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Jerry Judy, Amari Cooper, Josh Jacobs. You could go on and on and on. And when I I thought about these programs, I'm thinking college football programs – and I think the most important thing for a college to do, whether it's your football program, whether it's, you know, academic programs, whatever, you're supposed to be getting people ready for next step. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to move people along in life. And no program does a better job of moving their football players along, getting them ready for the NFL than Alabama. 
Yeah, Jalen Hurts too. Like he was there. People forget that. So Jalen yeah. Hurts, yes, sir. I mean, hell of a list. And and you're right. Like you you can't have a conversation about college football without talking about Alabama. And I'm going to kind of go a program that I would look at as the Alabama of the West Coast. Not the same pedigree anymore. Not the same uh, number of players in the NFL. But to me, especially being here, I'm going to put on the list, like I said, the Alabama of the West Coast. That is the University of Southern California Trojans, USC, mm-hmm. will be my second school on the list. Um, of course, you know, l- less players in the NFL right now. Uh, uh, but at the same time, really, uh, huge pedigree in college football. And now with Lincoln Riley, we'll see if they can turn it around. They're on their way to the Big Ten here in the next few years, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, but I'm very excited. And so USC for me has to be on the list. Steve Cook, your second entrant to the list. All right. Well, we've gone, we've gone south. We've gone west. I think now we gotta go to the Midwest, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm not I'm not a fan of this program. I, these people don't do a whole lot for me. I know a lot of people don't like them very much, but when you look at the Big Ten, you look at Ohio State, the Buckeyes. They've won 11 Big Ten titles this century. They've beaten Michigan 17 times this century. That's insane. That's Michigan's won three times. That's that's crazy. That's I nice. mean, Buckeyes won. They won eight national titles. You got seven Heisman trophies. They've got the they're tied for second most players in the NFL. You got your Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, Michael Thomas, Justin Fields, Cameron Hayward, and Chris Olave, Chase Young, Von Bell, just a lot of lot of talent. And uh, you know, every week on Sunday night football, it seems like there's at least one person saying their name and saying the Ohio State University. I swear here at least once a week. So, Very yeah, true. I'm not, not not a huge fan, but you got to get in there. Got to respect it. Got to respect it. And I mean, this day and age, everybody loves who? Pat McAfee. Listen to the Pat McAfee show. Of course, the resurgence of A.J. Hawk, another great mm-hmm. Ohio State alum. Yeah. You're right, though. Like, love them or hate them. They are a huge part of college football. So I am going to, because I have two choices left, and, and you know, the list is the list, and it can sometimes be personal. It can sometimes have whatever you want on there. So I am going back. Not to a school that is the same storied history, not to the school that that is the same, uh, you know, pedigree that what we talked about, but a school who I believe really began the changing of the landscape in college football. It started with the uniforms. They were constantly changing uniforms. Players wanted to go there just because of the uniforms. They played in a national championship game wearing uniforms that didn't even feature their school colors at one point. Like it was insane. The money there was nuts. I, I can only imagine how much players are being paid there before NIL was a thing. One of my low-key favorite college football programs, and that is the University of Oregon Ducks. So I am going to put on the list personal favorite Oregon. Part of it's because when when we were young, before we had kids, we would stay up late when we lived in Virginia. Watching college football, Oregon would be on a lot, and they had this giant-ass duck and the recruiting number was 1-800-BE-A-DUCK. And I could never forget just wanting to call 1-800-BE-A-DUCK. But to me, the Oregon Ducks are just part of the story of college football. And I think an underrated part of where we are right now with NIL because of their association with Nike. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my friend Dustin James. Loves Oregon. 
biggest Oregon fan I know. He's he's diehard. And you know, anytime you turn on the Oregon game, I'll tell you. Last week they had these. They had these some nice uniforms on last week. They, they had like the, they had the pink for uh, breast cancer, black unis, the pink letters. They're they outstanding, and they looked good when they were stomping all over. Uh, ooh, UCLA, they were stomping all yeah, over. I think so. so the only thing I have against Oregon is uh, the failed experiment with Achilles Smith with the Bengals. I, I kind of held that against them for a long time, but. You know, I can get over it eventually. And Oregon definitely a great appeal with the kids. Yeah, great uniforms. They're they're an important part of the game. I'll they agree really with you are. on that. All right, your last entrant onto the list. We're going to see if you're going to go pedigree. If you're going to go personal, we'll find out what you do with with your last spot on the list. Well, I'm just going to keep moving on. I'm I'm moving around geographically here. I mean, we've done the South, we've done the uh, done the Midwest. Now we're kind of going towards the middle of the country. And when you go to the middle of the country, you think of the Big 12. And we think of the Big 12, you think of the team that's won 14 Big 12 titles since 2000. And this is a program. They've had the most wins and the highest winning percentage since 1945. That's going back now. But, And I know, Greg, you and I as wrestling fans, we all know the fight song that Jim Ross comes out to every single week. He's they, there. Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma University, I they're, they're part of the essence of college football to me. They won seven national titles. They've they've had a good run here lately, producing a lot of uh, guys. You know, Jalen Hurts, of course, and his career here. You also got Kyler Murray and C.D. Lamb. You know, my my guy Joe Mixon, Mark Andrews, top notch tight end, Ramondre Stevenson, Sterling Shepard, and and Baker Mayfield too. But you know, they can't all be perfect. But I don't know. Oklahoma is just one of those ones that I've always kind of had a soft spot for, in large part due to Jr., who even though he gets his flag these days. I, I I still like hearing him. What can I say? Another person, Jim Ross, you can't really tell the story of pro wrestling without hearing Jim Ross's voice in Oklahoma, no. is a big part of college football pedigree. I give you credit. I give you all the credit in the world for not going Homer, not putting the University of Louisville on the list. I couldn't do it. I couldn't uh, do it. I, I wish I could, but it's yeah. been a rough few years for us. And again, it's not a top list. It's not whatever. It's just a list as we want to put it. I give you all the credit in the world. I, however, will, I will, however, will not do that. I will All not right. take the high road. I will not be <laughs> a person who doesn't put the favorite school on the list. I cannot make a list of college football teams without supporting the alma mater, without thinking back to, to those formative years in college where I met my wife, where this family began, where, where I still have these fond memories, where my son would love to go kick footballs two years from now if somehow he could get out there and, and, and earn a spot on that team. So for me, one time, you know, performer in, in the in the BCS college football national championship game, not a winner. Uh, of course, the school that produced Michael Vick and a whole host of other great NFL players. And of course, my hair place on earth and the place I went to college. I cannot do this list without selfishly putting Virginia Tech on the list. So there it's understandable. you go. I get it. So it's, there you go. Had, unfortunately, it's been kind of tough from a little Dude, bit lately, but uh, they've, had, they've got a good history there. That's for sure. So An amazing I, I, history. I don't, I don't blame you for that. Frank Beamer, of course, a huge part of college football history. You know, didn't go to a bowl game two years ago, the COVID year. They chose not to, even though they were bowl eligible. Not that that mattered that year. This will probably be the first year they don't actually qualify. It's kind of upsetting, but at the same time, you can't blame the current regime. 
Justin Fuente just completely gutted the program. And, and, you know, it pains me to see your Heisman Trophy leading candidate, Hendon Hooker, destroying the world at Tennessee, knowing that he was at Virginia Tech. But the transfer portal uh, is a real thing and is a part of the game right now. There are so many Hokies on other programs right now doing amazing things. And it's upsetting, but at the same time, we've got a, a very Beamer-like coach in Brent Pry, and we'll see what happens in the coming years, uh, what he's able to do and recruit. No one should have expected a great year this year, considering how depleted the program was. Um, and, and we're not a big NIL school. We're not any of that. But um, Blacksburg, That's, Virginia, still the most beautiful place yeah. on earth. The enter Sandman entrance into the field. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's nothing like it. So, you know, I'll what? tell you what, the ACC could really use Virginia Tech to be good again. There's a number of programs oh, that the goodness. ACC really needs to be good. Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, just a lot of programs are they're not where they're where they're supposed to be right now. And if they were. Then the ACC would just they began a lot more respect in the current. Could you do. imagine Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech were just as competitive as Clemson was? They would be just like the SEC in terms of fun. yeah. But that was the idea. The SEC is the reason why they're not because that's where all the players yep. go. And, yep, and you're there. right. Like that was the idea. ACC, SEC, like it was all supposed to mirror when they just. Pulled, you know, post the Big East in the way that they did, but it's not there now. Who knows? Uh, who knows where it'll be? I mean, right now, if anybody's going to compete with the uh, SEC, Miami, what a disaster Miami is. Jesus, no, eight turnovers a, last week against two. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, the, the, the but the week back, before, who they beat? They beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, of course, it's painful. Of course, but, you know, they, they told us Miami was back. You know, they were telling us that all off season. Then, well, there you go. Yeah, they just didn't tell just us like it was. They just didn't tell us it was the Miami from last year that was back. So it's like Texas is back every year. And then, well, yeah, see what happens there. So congratulations to those. That's our pool that we're going to pick from. You just made the list. Now, who didn't make the list for you, Cook? Like, who did you have on the short list that you weren't able to put on here because you only had three selections? There are a couple, and I'll, I'll say Clemson there because they are holding up the ACC by themselves right now, unfortunately. I wish that wasn't the case, but kind of is what it is. Yeah. I was very close to putting LSU on there. And it's amazing how much NFL talent comes out of LSU. You know, yeah. my guys, Joe Brady, Jamar Chase, but then like Justin Jefferson, Patrick Peterson, the Honey Badger, just an endless amount of talent comes out of LSU. Yeah. And it's amazing that they don't do better than they do. And they do okay, but you would think that, I mean, I guess it's just being seen divisions Alabama, but you would think they'd be a lot. They would, you think they win a lot more titles, is all I'm saying there. Also, you know, Clemson's close. Georgia, of course, you got to give a shout to Georgia since they won the won the title last year. Yeah, Bill Goldberg, all that. And man, uh, I kind of want to include them, and they still do have a lot of players in the NFL. They they produce some good players, but Notre Dame, yeah, they're still a big name, but I just can't put them up there with like Alabama, Ohio State, places like that. Agreed. Notre Dame was on my short list. I did not expect them to get on the list, though, at least for me. Michigan was also on my short list just because of history. Um, growing up, before I made the decision to go to Virginia Tech, all of my friends were Miami fans. Mm. So because of that reason... Oh, yeah, the 80s. When, yeah. when, when, uh, when, when, and, and this was more 90s. I'm not that old. Yeah. I'm only a couple <laughs> years older than you. Um, when, when every, when I found out that all my friends were Miami fans, cause I got into college football like a year after all my friends did, they were all Miami. I said, who's Miami's arch rival? They said, Florida state. <laughs> so that night 
My mom, we hopped in a car, went to the mall. I bought a Florida State hat, showed up at school the next day with a Florida State hat. And and from, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I was the Florida State guy. I was doing the tomahawk chop. I was doing the whole thing. Um, so Florida State was, was on my short list as well. Um, and then Texas was on my short list too, kind of like you with Oklahoma, just a big part of, of college football history and something that, uh, you know, I have a lot of memories of, of, you know, watching college football in Texas being there a lot of the time and, and being a big part of that. Uh, so yeah, good group of schools, good, good group of options. So we're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to put this bad boy in order. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. You just made the list. Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, Oregon, Ohio State, USC, and Alabama. Those are our six candidates for the list as we see fit. So what we're going to do now is we're going to put that list in order. So it was my topic, the topic that I brought up. Cook went first and we developed the list. So I go first and we actually put them in order and we're going to rank things out one through six. And I am going to, um, just based on when I think of college football and, and who I see there, I'm going to buck the trend just a little bit. And I'm actually going to put number one on the list, not Alabama, but I am going to put Ohio State number one on the list. Like you, I'm not a huge fan, but I respect it. Um, um, the horseshoe is, is just a huge part of college football history. And so uh, you can't go wrong with a couple of these on the list, but I'm going to put Ohio State number one. You know, I've never been to the horseshoe for a football game. I did go for a Metallica concert back really? in 2003, and that was a good time. No kidding. I was sitting way up there and way up there in the, in the bleacher seats up there. That was a good time with Metallica back in the day. So Nothing wrong with that. Just, you know, top-notch players up and down up and down the list there. Dominance during this this century. And, you know, maybe they don't win national title every year, but they're they're always a threat. They're always kind of they're in the playoff more often than not, it seems like. So and a lot of people would have them number one right now. So Yeah. Uh, they might they might end up there this year. They got a good looking team, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And uh I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna go chalk. I'm gonna be the boring guy at number two. Because uh, I'm going to stick with Alabama, even though I know Alabama's lost the game this year. Does that mean they're out of the chase? Of course not. If Alabama wins the rest of their games, they're going to be in that playoff, and people are going to complain about it. But it's just kind of what it is. They get the benefit of doubt from the voters because look at all the players they produce for the NFL. They just kind of deserve it. I, again, we, we might not like Alabama, but uh, we sure as heck respect them. I agree. I agree 100%. So I am going to then – Put number three on the list, uh, a team with a lot of history and representing the West Coast. I will put USC number three on the list, leaving you with number four. All right, shout out to Carson Palmer and Anthony Munoz, by the way. Fine USC Trojans there, no doubt. Uh, number four, um, I'm going to kind of buck the trend too, and we'll stick out West, and I'll put Oregon on there because, nice. like you said, they've done a lot to affect recent college history with the NIL, with Nike, everything getting bigger, big out there. And there's nothing better than a nice Saturday afternoon or night watching those cool Oregon uniforms. It's just a good time. Agree 100%. Those uniforms are something else 
to behold and, and a big part of, of what we've seen for four years to come. I don't believe they call it the Civil War anymore, and I wish they did because that was just such a fun game to watch all the time. You know, I put Virginia Tech on the list as a homer, but when it comes to putting them in order, I'm not going to have the homer pick jump over the historical pick. I will go Oklahoma at number five just for historical significance and, and putting there above Virginia Tech, which leaves you with no option at number six. But with Virginia alone. Tech, uh, I will say my one uh, beef with Virginia Tech uh, goes back to the Gator Bowl. I forget what year it was that Louisville, Louisville Virginia Tech played in the Gator Bowl when Marcus when Marcus Vick was there. Because I remember Marcus Fick uh, taking a big old stomp on Elvis Dumerville's ankle. And people in Louisville still complain about that to this day. As they should. As they should <laughs> complain about. 2006. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, that sounds that, right. That sounds right. Of, yeah, that, of that Gator Bowl. Um, bad time. I mean, I got nothing against Virginia Tech except for that little incident there. Other than I miss when years. the Gator Bowl was just the, like, I miss those get college football bowl games. The ones that didn't have like the car quest bowl or the whatever bowl, like back when it was the Gator bowl, the citrus bowl, the cotton bowl, and they just had names. Like I do miss that. And and I really think here in the next six years, the bowls are going to be devalued even more as the playoff grows. Oh um, no, they're, those are barely going to exist. I hate years. the they idea. Now. Um, I actually hate the idea of having, you know, if we go to a 12 team format or whatever, I hate the idea of more than one round of the playoff being bowl games. Like I hate the idea of say Ohio mm-hmm. state, say they play a first round game because they don't get a buy. And then they play a second round game. I just hate the idea that Ohio state was in two of the bowl games in the same year. Like that to me, you just can't doesn't feel make like sense. being champion of the car quest bowl and the, uh, and, yeah, and the Goodyear Tire Bowl. Yeah, like that weird. just doesn't doesn't work for me. Like that's you won the Peach Bowl and then you won the Rose Bowl. No, you <laughs> you didn't. Like that's just stupid. I even that's what people the fans will be like. Oh, we won so many bowls. Right, just know. more trophies for the case. When when I yeah. was pitching a playoff, I was pitching an eight team playoff, and for me, I was pitching that the first four games, the quarterfinal games, be those bowl games, be four of the New Year's Six games, and then the semifinals. Because travel is such a hard thing, you know, you're traveling three weeks in a row. I actually was saying the semifinal should be on campus. So the higher ranked campus, you get the host mm. semifinal game. I know people are saying do it with the first round. I think you give them a bigger advantage, do it with the semifinal game, and then put the national championship in a neutral site like they do now. I think that could work. But imagine money talks. Having to go up to, imagine having to go up to Michigan. Like, say Michigan right? is a higher ranked team, makes the semifinal. January? Going up yeah. to 110, 15, how many? How many thousand people they have in that thing? And it'll be like 10 degrees. Imagine oh. if you're Georgia having to go to Michigan <laughs> yeah. and play in January. Like yeah, that's an adva- you earn that for being the number two <laughs> team in the nation because Alabama's probably number one. Right. So so I agree with you. I think that would be great. But I think, you know, follow the money. And I just think the money is in you can still have people sponsor it. Like you still have all that, but they're gonna want to have the big cities. They're gonna it would also like celebrate the college campus environment. Like there's so many positives to it, but I'm not in a position to to make that happen, so it's not going to. My main hope for the expanded playoff is that we actually get some more watchable games. Because how many years now have we had the 14 playoff? And it seems like every year both semifinal games are completely unwatchable. There's there's blowouts every yeah, year. Yeah, there I there mean, have been a few. It seems like it's very obvious play. every year, like who the top two teams are, even if they're not, you know, even if it's not one and two, like right. those games just end up being complete blowouts. Like last year, you had. Yeah, the UC, I mean, God bless Cincinnati for showing up, but they stood no chance against Alabama. And then Michigan did even worse against Georgia. It was, it was a rough day, and man. And Michigan was the, the 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 popular pick at that point to to 
upset and to, to make yeah. it. So and complete opposite. So. Yeah, so I'm just hoping we get some get some games I that we can watch that. and have fun with. And have somebody if it's twelve team playoff and you've got, you know, some some underdog team in there, they need to win a game. Like you need a team mm-hmm. like a Cincinnati to knock off a team like an Alabama. Yeah. To, to, and it will happen at some point. Look, a 16 beat a one in the NCAA tournament, you know, it, it's going to happen at some point. And, and when it does, we'll all go crazy for 48 hours and then we'll forget because of the cycle of, of excitement. Something else will these happen. Days, so. Somebody exactly. will, somebody, something, yeah, that will have done something. So just for the sake of consistency, we'd like to congratulate everybody. Number one, Ohio State, number two, Alabama, number three, USC, number four, Oregon. Number five, Oklahoma. Number six, Virginia Tech. Congratulations to you all. You just made the list. And now we've hit the home stretch of the program. I, I'm just talking as I'm trying to scroll and make sure I find the song because I keep moving things around and can't always find it. Here we go. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes and you better make it good. We got three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is ticking and we're in the clear. We got three minutes and we're out of here. We got three minutes and we're out of here. So we've talked about AEW, we've talked about college football, so why not venture over into another corner of the Steve Cook wheelhouse and something we like to do here at thechairshot.com. Let's talk some NFL football. So we just finished week seven of, of the regular season. Some teams have had their buys, some teams have not, and it's been a surprising football season. I won't give some of the examples because you just don't know how it's going to shake out with what we're going to do. But what I wanted to do um, after week seven with it being over is just kind of come together and put together our own power rankings for the NFL season so far. So power rankings are are all the rage. Everybody loves to do power rankings. Um, I, I even want to put some together myself that are, you know, some kind of formula to it and, and see where we go. But we're going to put together the power rankings and see where everybody lies. So one through five is all we're going to do. Just our top five. We're not going to go crazy or anything like that. But so Steve Cook, um, or maybe we can even go one through six and says what we just for the list. I don't know. But this is actually a ranking in order. So our power rankings where do we see everybody one through we'll, we'll say one through five. If you want through six in there, you can. And then I will as well. Who would you have in your power rankings for the NFL? We'll let you go first. So I'm, I'm big on records. I'm big on, you know, teams being undefeated and whatnot. So the Philadelphia Eagles are my number one team because they haven't lost. Pretty simple. And they've looked impressive in every single game. It, they're, they're, they're looking pretty good. People say they might go 12 now with that schedule. Who knows? So. I have I got Philly number one. Good times for Philadelphia. Good times. Um, Buffalo Bills number two. Bills look like the Bills look they're almost unbeatable. They had that weird game in Miami where things went awry. awry. But other than that, they've been they've been solid. And they even beat uh, my number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, tough to go against the Chiefs when that offense is cooking. Nice Patrick Mahomes is still being Patrick Mahomes, not missing Tyree Hill that much. Juju Smith Schuster coming alive. Watch out for that guy. I mean, I'm. I'm pretty happy with it as a fantasy owner. Number four, I'm. it seems like the Minnesota Vikings are flying under everybody's radar. I don't know if it's because they're up in Minnesota or whatever. whatever they just had a bye week, too, like, so that'll do it. Yeah, they had a bye week, too, and they lost, they lost to the Eagles, but the Eagles are pretty good. So I got the Vikings number four. They look like they're going to be a team coming out of the NFC North. And then number five, I'm going to make uh, my buddy Greg and make Rebecca Hardy very happy and put New York Giants on there because I – I love seeing the Giants uh, doing good again. I mean, it's been a while for you guys. And I don't know what's going on there. With Sa- Saquon Barkley is healthy. I think that's the main thing, kind of powering them. But Daniel Jones looking pretty good, too. That defense looking pretty solid. So 
watch out for those Giants. And uh, the Bengals will be my number six team. I'll say it. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> that's I mean, my homework pick number six. I can't put them much three, higher than that. But um, they're looking good. They, they, if they play like they did last week against the Falcons, watch out. Burrow threw for almost 500 yards, and he won't even try him after the third quarter. I no, I don't think game, he probably got over 700. I don't think the Bengals are at, I've seen them as high as five on some lists, to be honest with you. Um, they just took a big jump with their win um, that they just had. So I get that. Um, and and you know, Burrow to Chase, like it's always a deadly combination. You know, they can surprise everybody. They just came out of the Super Bowl. Yes, it was a loss. Um, but still, it's weird. You've got the Bengals, you know, at sitting at three and three that some people put in there, whereas you've got like a four and two Chargers team, not quite there, but at the same time, like, They've struggled. Um, yeah. You've got a lot of other teams sitting in there. Um, I don't think this is what the records that I'm looking at are old. I need to re-upload. And honestly, I would probably have another couple of teams I could put over the Bengals, but uh, you know, I, I got to be a homer here. Well, at least one time. Of course, on the show. why not? Why not? No, I get it. <laughs> so our list won't be too crazy different, but there are some similarities. But I'm okay with it and okay with where they are. For me. Um, my number one team on, on the list is not the Eagles, despite the record. I do have the Bills sitting at number one. Um, if the Eagles were to play the Bills this week and, and, you know, I don't even know what the spread would be. It would probably be three or less than three. Um, I would have to pick the Bills if I were making a pick. So that's where that distinction comes from. Josh Allen is just insane. Um, you know, like I love watching Wyoming football just because of Josh Allen and, and, um, followed them a lot more closely last year as they were having a good year for a while there. Uh, but I do have the Eagles at number two, so it's not like I'm crazy putting them down super far. Um, I've got the Eagles at number two. Um, number three, I it's it's tough. Like the Chiefs are definitely beatable, and, and I'm torn between the Chiefs and the Vikings at number three um, because of where they are. But uh, what Ma- Patrick Mahomes was – able to do, you know, being down by double digits, wiping that out. Andy Reid, I can't stand, like, offensive coordinators and head coaches that call the plays that have a system in place. Like, I think I, – I still like the guys who can take the players they have and make the most out of them, and that's what Andy Reid does. He doesn't yeah. have a system. He has a quarterback, and he has all these weapons around him, and he finds ways to involve everybody. I mean, who just caught, like, three touchdowns last week for, for the Chiefs? I can't remember the guy's name now. Michael Hardman. Yeah, like the week Michael after – Travis Kelsey caught four. So yeah. it's just insane. So the Chiefs are always dangerous. And and for me, I've got to have them at number three. Um, I do have the Vikings like you at number four. And I do have the Giants at number five. Um, and it, I didn't have them at number five previously, like even if we did this last week. But uh, they just keep winning. And now they're six and one. And, and even though they just beat the Jaguars, it's like they're finding ways to win games. Like that stop at the goal line against the Jaguars, like what Dable has been able to do for Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, like you said, starting to come back and, and, and being Saquon Barkley like that is, is huge. Um, and in terms of number six, number six is tough. Cause I look at number six in, in the guys of like, who would I not want to face? Who would I not want to go against if I were an NFL team outside of this top five? And to me, that team, you know, unfortunately for you as a Bengals fan, is the Baltimore Ravens. I would not want to face the Ravens if I was a football team right now, if I was an NFL team. So um, You're right. right. I mean, that guy Lamar Jackson, he's pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, speaking of Louisville that we talked about earlier, um, he's pretty good. It's tough to tough to prepare for that guy. It's just it's and we we saw the Ravens play the Bengals not too long ago, and that was a nip and tuck battle. Of course, it's yeah. it's most likely going to come down those two in that division. Oh, I yeah. just don't see the Browns getting it done. The Steelers, you know, the Steelers have some good young players, but I don't think they're there quite yet. No, they're I think not. Next year they, could, next not. Year they could be dangerous. So. Had we done a list of just NFL programs, which I thought about until I switched to college, <laughs> I would have put the Steelers on the list just because the respect I have for the program. I know it's an arch nemesis sure. for you, but they can beat anybody anytime. Like, like I still, you know, I still trust Mike Tomlin. Like they are to me, sometimes they're out of games, right? But before the first whistle, before the first kickoff, to me, I, I have him in every game and I'm worried about the, the Steelers as well. But you're right. Like Lamar Jackson, yeah. he's outrushed the Buccaneers and the Rams teams so far this year. Like it's just, you know, insane. He's crazy, man. What I've, he's I've loved watching do. that guy's whole career, even though he plays for the Ravens now. It's the, that's kind of tricky for me. But you mentioned Mike Tomlin real quick. And I've always thought it's kind of weird how. I think Steelers haters have more respect for Mike Tomlin than Steelers fans do. I don't know what the deal is with that, but uh, whenever they talk about Mike Tomlin being on like hot seat, I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Like, if Mike Tomlin was to leave Pittsburgh, he'd have another job in like ten seconds. Of course he would. And, and but would he like like yeah? It's so crazy. Like Tomlin, you know, they have a new GM in place. You just lost a historic quarterback. How often do teams go from one historic quarterback to another? Like it's rare to go from Joe Montana to Steve Young yeah. or from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Like it doesn't always work out that way. And yeah, the Colts have paid Mang the Andrew Luck, and since then they've had nothing. And even then, like Luck historic, didn't pan they've out. They've had historic the way. quarterbacks that are too old. Yeah, they've they had historic quarterbacks that won't be remembered for being a Colt. Um, right. You know, they went to they went to Philip Rivers. Everybody remembers Charger. They went to Matt Ryan. Everybody remember him as being a Falcon. Like it's just you know it, it's it's weird because Brady changed teams, and so everybody's like, okay, quarterback and change teams. And mm-hmm. since Brady changed teams. What other quarterback has really changed teams and really panned out at a high Super Bowl contender level? Not looking like Russell Wilson, I'll tell no, you that. Not Russell Wilson, not Phillip Rivers, not Matt Ryan. Like it's just not working out very well. And and um and and so yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like it's it's that maybe that system that doesn't really work. Even the Rams, you look at like, you know, F them picks and we'll just continue to sign players. Yeah. Now they're dropping off, and 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 you know the freaking Seahawks are leading the NFC West with Geno Smith. Geno Smith, like, who Gino knew? Smith. But apparently they knew, and so it, it's nice to see. It's nice to see a quarterback get a second chance around her for once. I mean, yeah. it's been a while. It seems like the way the NFL has been going, it's you know it's best to have a young quarterback. You know, you have to pay as much so you can kind of build the roster around yeah. them. But then if that young quarterback fails, then he's just kind of sent off the pasture. And there's probably a bunch of guys that, and still in the league, some guys not in the league that could have ended up being good somewhere. And Gina Smith right. was lucky enough to kind of hang around, getting a chance in Seattle, and here you go. I don't know when Seattle's bye week is, but I hope during Seattle's bye week they extend Geno Smith. Like he deserves it. He and, and that's and if Geno Smith gets a contract before Lamar Jackson, like that's just insane. <laughs> um but some of that's on uh, it's not on Lamar. I don't know. I think it, sometimes I think if he had an agent, he'd be closer to getting the deal he wants, but yeah. it shouldn't matter. But I just think some of that is just that they want to show players that you should have an agent because that's what teams want to deal with their agents. And and I also think Jackson's getting a bad rep from the news and the insiders and everything because that's where they get all their information from is the agents. So it's, 
Yeah, it is what it is. But well, good power rankings. A wide receiver, you know. <laughs> good, good power rankings. Maybe next year we'll get more into the power rankings. I really want to dig more into that kind of stuff and, and focus more on the sports side. So difficult to do sometimes, as you know. We all well, with my gambling picks going as badly as they are, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe you can rough, use, do some. These lines are these lines are killing me this the year. The lines I mean, this year, because of the explosion of sports betting, I think the lines have become a lot more difficult. And, and, yeah. and, you know, you have to look at, and like, you have guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers that you can't, it doesn't seem like you can trust him right now. I don't know what's going on with. Yeah. Last week, guys. last year, Aaron Rodgers was money in this year. You know, he needs to get back on whatever he was on last year. Apparently. I don't know what he was. I forget what he's taking. Some kind of herbal supplement. Or I think something. he's on he more things on now. I think that might be the problem. Ayahuasca oh, and all possibly. that stuff he does. Possibly. I think he, he I might know, be washed. But, uh, Unless he has his major resurgence next year, if he doesn't retire. I think he could be washed. So not Good everybody stuff. can play until 45, 46. No, not, I mean, look at Brady right now. Like it looks like he's regretting that decision to come back and, and um Boy, and, him and Giselle must have fallen apart really bad. So I, uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, they I mean look, that was really probably bad. that stuff doesn't happen overnight. So who knows? So Steve Cook, thank you for jumping in this week and, and being a part of this. A lot of fun. Um, some great stuff about AEW. Uh, the fact that you got to be there and all that. Look, wrestling is supposed to be enjoyable. And literally, if I watched all 12 hours of content every single week, I guarantee you there'd be something I liked on every single one of those shows. Like, that's just the way. Unless you sit down and you're going to watch Raw and you want to hate Raw, you will. If you want to sit down and enjoy Raw, you will. Like, it's all about the mindset you sit down because it's pro wrestling. And and same with Dynamite. There were times where I wanted to hate Dynamite, and I very easily could have. But now when I watch it, and I didn't watch it for a while, mainly because of time. Um, and now when I watch it, I always enjoy something. And that's where I saw the complaining about Jericho. And then when I got back into AEW, the first thing I liked was Chris Jericho. So it's, Weird how that works, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the deal is. And same with me. I mean, uh, I'm kind of known as not being a WWE guy. I mean, I'm more into the other fed just because yeah. kind of i am but i still watch raw and it's like oh that 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 part's fun or watching nxt tonight and hey there's shotzi i like shotzi she's fun you know and just you know, we watch smackdown you see something if you're not if i don't know just there's always something to like in wrestling yeah. man that's i think we can be great there's always something to like and there's maybe there's stuff you're not gonna like but people i guess there are a lot of people out there like to dwell on the things that they don't like if social media is any indication there's a lot of people like that right but that's that's just not me i'm just yeah, not social media and and, <laughs> and and that permeates into regular media negative cells and complaining cells <laughs> and and you know ratings have dropped cells more than ratings improved and so yeah, yeah. ratings are steady or, or the ranking is still good like like it's just you know what what gets the clicks and what gets everything yeah um, no if raw goes up it's great i mean if smackdown goes up it's great yeah. because it's a rising tide and a good WWE will bring everybody up. That's I think, I think that's what we're all hoping for with the uh, regime change over there. We're all hoping that things get better there, and if they get better, then a lot of people are going to other yeah. shows too. Because I remember, gosh, when the Attitude Era had a lot of successful indie feds drawing thousands of people because yeah. people want to see wrestling. Exactly, and and now it's you draw, and you can also distribute your content. I mean, content distribution is something that. I'm literally working on right now with our stuff because we've got like a year's worth of events in the can and, and some have commentary and some we're adding commentary too. And it's like, what do we do with them? Where do we put them? Like, where do we distribute them? That's kind of our next big thing to figure out in 2023 is distribution. So I get that. Yeah. Um, 
real quick, put you on the spot. So every week, right, Monday through Friday, major televised wrestling. Monday's Raw, Tuesday's NXT, Wednesday is AEW Dynamite, Thursday's Impact, Friday is SmackDown and Rampage. So six shows over five nights. But say we had this finite amount of time that we do anyway, but it was even more finite than usual, and you could only watch one. Which one would you watch? Hmm. If I could only watch one. And, and it was every week. So it's not like, oh, I'll watch this one this yeah. week and this other one the next week. Like, you can only watch one. Honestly, it's the answer I'm going to give is not really an indictment of any of the shows, really. It's just the fact that a lot of the people I talk to nowadays are wrestling fans. Uh, a lot of them tend to fall into Dynamite Fed, where they, they watch Dynamite like every week. And that would be the best way for me to talk to the people I know yeah. if, if, to watch Dynamite. Maybe I like maybe I like something else better. I mean, I don't know. It impacts in the good from time to time, you know. Yeah. But if that's the only thing I watched, I'd be talking to pretty much nobody. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> one or two people on Twitter and that's it. Yeah, I get it. No, that that's, it. Yeah, unfortunately. and that's the thing that people got to understand. Like you made your decision based on like the fandom and, and basically you made your decision on what's going to happen the other six days and what conversations you're going to have and where you can be. Um, and, and honestly, for me, better night too, because on Monday, you know, Monday's Monday's more of a sports night, yeah. you know, Friday's more of a sports night too. So from Agreed. my perspective, Monday's Monday's probably the night where I had the least going on. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand that completely. So um, for me, honestly, if I were to pick Monday through Friday, the one event that I could watch, the one show I could watch, it would still be NXT. Like despite all the changes, despite everything, the one I look forward to the most, I watch Raw and Delay on Mondays, you know, and and sit down and do work. I watch Smack, or I watch NXT on Delay after I'm, you know, producing these podcasts. I don't watch Dynamite till Thursday morning i don't really get to catch impact all that much more in highlights i watch typically smackdown i'll watch either on friday night this week i didn't watch smackdown until like well i watched smackdown on saturday and i watched halloween havoc on sunday actually is when i watched um um, those and then rampage i i rarely catch rampage unless there's a match on there i want to see and i can usually find it on youtube or whatever but yeah, for some reason, like like it's always the one I look forward to the most is NXT. It's that future sure. talent. You see the hunger. You see it all. I thought they would change more when they went back to a little more of the gold, but they didn't change as much as I thought they would. But I'm still enjoying it. Maybe it's a Shawn Michaels thing. I don't know. But NXT would be would be my pick. So it's always fun to see that new talent develop and to see. And they're not all going to be great, of course. You're not yeah. going to have like a roster of legends and whatnot but it's it's interesting to see like the kind of people come up like uh tonight i know you haven't watched it yet but there's a there's a debut of somebody tonight that i think is yeah, I a lot that. of people get an eye on and i think I, a lot of people are selling her career so so we saw the debut so you saw that it was is it ava rain or ava rain i don't know how she pronounces it i think it, i think it said ava ava um, the Rock's the daughter, so. of course, the Rock's daughter, and she's a part of the schism. She's the fourth member of the schism. Nobody saw that coming. So, so kind of like another, the second bonus question for today, knowing that they put the Rock's daughter in the schism with Joe Gacy, with Rip Fowler and other Jagger or something. I can't remember his last name. I'm bad with the names. <laughs> yeah. They're still the Grizzly Young Veterans for me. And at some point, I believe they'll break off and become the Grizzly Young Veterans again because I love that act yeah. so much. I really did. But I'll go first this time. I love it. I think that was the perfect place to put her because she needed something so out there and different to where you're not just expecting the Rock's daughter. 
and, and, and she needed. And the only way to do that for me is for her to not be a solo entity on her own. Even if she debuts part of a tag team, because it's hard to debut as part of a tag team in NXT, especially for the women, like, you know, Valentina Faraz and Ulysses Leon, like don't do it for me at all. Like I prefer one Valentina Faraz way more than the other one. And, and so some of the teams have worked, some haven't, but for me, putting her with schism, which is such a niche of a niche group and such a set, you know, aura to them and, and a set gimmick to them, that to me allows her to separate herself. Is that the gimmick she's going to have if she ever makes it the main roster? No. But to me, to get her career off to a good start, I think that was a great move. I really do. I, I agree with you. And also, even though her career has been very successful, um, you know, the she's not not out there being the Rock's daughter. Right. Um, Charlotte Flair has pretty much always been Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah. And even though she's, she's had a good run, don't get me wrong, but she does tend to get on a lot of people's nerves because she's just ever been Ric Flair's daughter. And I know she doesn't like people calling her that, but that's the way they present her as she comes out wearing robes and yeah. uh, blonde hair and acting like, you know, the, the female version of Ric Flair. And so, it works for her. And, and, and Ric Flair can be parodied and, and easy, more easily than the rock. Well, like, Ric Flair wasn't even the first nature boy. So exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and not only that, but like, even Dusty Rhodes was going to be more the Ric Flair character before Flair did it. Yeah. And then there was Nature Boy after Ric Flair, and that just didn't work out. So, yeah. um, and Charlotte Flair okay. is basically the Nature Boy, like just running around as Charlotte Flair. Like, even have had has had a robe made from an old robe of Ric Flair's. Like, it's, it's, and it works for her. Don't get me wrong. She's playing it perfectly. And I'm excited for when she eventually comes back and, and the role that she plays there. Um, but, for for the rock star to show up and be the rock and apparently whatever promo she cuts and i haven't seen it yet was pretty good um and i know she's been cutting promos at the house show loop uh for nxt so yeah she was fine uh, no complaints here she's she's fine doing what she did there you know i mean look she can't be as bad as maxine dupree so that to <laughs> me is is because she's terrible and i don't think she's long like that that whole gimmick like the best thing that happened out of that gimmick is we got ellie knight back so that's <laughs> That's literally the best thing for me because Sean Ricker deserves a chance. He's 40 years old and he's getting a shot. And he's uh, he's so got to do so. it now, man. He's got to do it now. He does. And I didn't think he was going to get it when, when Max Dupree happened. And I was there live. We went to the SmackDown before Money in the Bank when they debuted that gimmick. And I'll be totally transparent. I've talked about it. That was not a fun SmackDown to go to live at all. Like <laughs> the commercial breaks were insane. The we Because you had the maximum male models followed by – an in-ring like debate between the Usos and the Street Profits. You went like 30 minutes without a match. The house, the dark show main event was Rollins and Riddle. It lasted like eight minutes at best. Like it was just, I don't know. It just wasn't the best. A bunch of people were already in Vegas for money in the bank. Um, It was what it was, but uh, it was still, you know, Always good to get out there and, and, and see it and have some fun. So, well, Cook, My I appreciate it. about the LA Knight thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you off real Go quick because I'll yeah. mention the LA Knight thing. Is, uh, my favorite thing about that is that when they first changed his name to LA Knight, everybody freaking complained about it. Like, oh, my God, how can they? Why can't he just be like Drake? Why does he have to be a, an old shoe or whatever? Especially when, yeah, British Knights, <laughs> I know, uh, which I yeah, desperately that, wanted and had as a kid. over. He got the thing over, That's, it's and now the guy. Are the LA Knight's back. It's yep. the performer. EC3 got to keep his gimmick, which is shocking considering he was Dixie Carter's nephew, right? Yeah. <laughs> he got to keep his gimmick. It didn't work. 
LA Knight comes in, just takes everything that was Eli Drake, turns it into LA Knight, and it works. And the big difference between Ethan Carter III and LA Knight is who's playing the characters. Yep. And yeah. working in WWE. EC3 didn't work because of the, the performer. LA Knight did work because of the performer. It Ricker, can work anywhere. Ricker was going to work no matter what his gimmick was. You could get over on Neptune, man, where they don't speak English or, yeah. or, or Earthling or nothing. Would, they, a a weekend in Neptune, they'd be going L.A. Night. Yeah. Yep. On Neptune, <laughs> yeah. like the aliens would be doing it. And then he'd become, they'd be taking him back down to Earth and they'd be marching <laughs> into the performance center with him or wherever. Um, I hope he's got it. I hope he gets a shot because I really do think he can be something special. And then, you know what? It, it, because he's 40 or 39, going to be 40 soon, who knows what? Um, and I've met him before and I've, I have some friends that are friends with him and, and they're all ecstatic for what he's getting to do. If the career doesn't pan out in the ring, like I know he was going to manage or whatever, but like when Booker T's tired of this or Wade Barrett's tired of this and McAfee comes back and they shift people around again, he would be, his legacy might be at the commentary table, in my opinion. Okay. Like, I guess I think that. he'd be phenomenal. I really do. Yeah. So who knows? All right. Steve Cook again, thank you for coming on at Steve Cook 84. Give him a follow on Twitter. You're going to get it all sports entertainment, sports entertainment from Steve Cook, just like you get from us here at the chairshot.com at chairshot media. Follow me at chairshot Greg. Do us a favor, look up the shows on whatever your favorite streaming platform is iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, and so many more. Like, subscribe, leave us that five star review, turn on notifications. It all helps. Every little bit of it helps. Follow along with us here at thechairshot.com where we encourage you just like we encourage everybody to do one thing and one thing only and if you do this one thing uh, i assure you you'll be happy in life and and if you aren't don't come blaming me because it really had nothing to do with me but while you're here we encourage you to do one thing at thechairshot.com and that's to always use your head thechairshot.com thechairshot.com always use your head acknowledge me you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.